1: What happens if I can marry a mobile phone with finding out what their account is, what account balance is? Because we're sending out the SMSs, giving them details of their withdrawal and things like that. So once you have that, you have the basic requirement, what a teller updates
2: in your passport? Often when we think about innovation, we think about pushing the status quo further away from the past. But sometimes that, can leave people behind, sometimes the past actually worked pretty well for them. It was just uh, inefficient. So in this episode, we look at innovation to preserve a classic format, not to replace it. And as an aside, this also completes our first ever father-daughter pairing on the show, because Niharika Bhargava, Rohit's daughter, was one of the three voices on episode 24 of this show when I spoke about Confirm You, the startup that I'm a part of, and our gamified psychometric credit score. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Rohit Bhargava, founder of BombTech, welcome to the show. If I was to take your career and plot it on a chart, it wouldn't have the steady progression of a full-time career man, but it also wouldn't have the ups and downs and lefts and rights of a serial entrepreneur, but rather almost something in between where you had long periods within some of the big banks whose names we all know, but then jumped very far from that to the next role, both geographically and in terms of what you are undertaking. So before we talk about Bombtech Tech and the work you're doing at the moment, would you mind spending some time on your career and your background in banking and really how you got to where you are today?
1: I joined HSBC many months ago. Then to something and precise. We have to work through on the departments, if you like, as part of the training, corporate banking, a little bit as a junior person, then into the treasury. Was a long stint for about eight years. Next was another stint in Hong Kong, treasury trading. Then we came back to India, corporate banking role in the senior corporate banking role. So really got an idea of all the departments. Then I moved on to Malaysia, where I had as a retail bank. Then on to Hong Kong, and that's when I called it quits.
2: What inspired that fairly dramatic looking change? to move from, you know, career banking into founding your own venture.
1: When I was looking after retail banking in Malaysia, the branches were very crowded. They were crowded because customers would come in with their passbooks, statements or anything like that, and they would not use ATMs. What we did at that time was to stop the passbooks. It says, no, if you want a passbook, we'll charge you extra. Now statements coming to your house. We get it for free.
2: Yeah, And I just want to interrupt you there for the the international audience, because the passbook is something I only know about because actually in Hong Kong, until very recently, there were very complicated looking ATMs, which I learned were passbook printing ATMs, and they would sort of take that in and do some printing and print them back out again. But for those who aren't familiar with what that would be, would you mind educating us very quickly on what a passbook was and what its role was in, in banking in the region?
1: Instead of statements, it gives exactly the same details as what your statement gives you at the end of the period. Whereas this one, you could go at any time and update your passport. You have to go to a branch, so it's nothing but a statement in in a passport format. In a passport format, or it would come by print to you without copy.
2: Yeah, thanks. Sorry, I interrupted you there talking about what the um, sort of inspiration was. So, what did you see there that got you thinking?
1: At the same time, when these mobile phones were starting off. Revolution was starting all over the world, and Malaysia was in the forefront. And we started giving alerts when a customer was transacted his account. So much amount has been deposited or withdrawn. Yeah. So I felt guilty about taking away from customers what they wanted. I said, it's not right. Of course, it made sense to us. The cost came down. It was very profitable. But yet, it was not quite the thing to do. So I said, what happens if I can marry a, a mobile phone with coming into and finding out what their account is, what account balance is. Because we're sending out the SMSs, giving them details of their withdrawal and things like that. So once you have that, you have the basic requirement, what a teller updates in your passbook. Yeah. So if we can marry it into a mobile phone, that would be wonderful. And the customer would get his account balance instantaneously as soon as he's transacted. That's why they used to come to the project at that time and for the balance to make sure everything has been deposited correct.
2: It's interesting because obviously you can get caught out almost by innovation, particularly if you're not a super profitable segment of of the customer base. You know, as you said, like the, the costs of serving the passbook become higher. The higher spending customers have moved away from it or are moving away from it. And so it's leaving a shrinking pool. But those people... They really like it, really need it. They understand it. They feel comfortable with it. And they sort of seeing it disappear and innovation taking it away from them. And I think what I really like about the bomb tech idea is that it's innovation addressing this need, not going out and trying to find a new format and a new thing of doing it, and then trying to push pioneers and and, and the sort of change-loving folk in that direction, but actually going backwards and saying, he has this format that everybody knows and loves, and, and how can we conserve it with modern technology? So I think it's a lovely part of the market to get into. But I was speaking to uh, Janesh Fora uh, for the show, and he had had you know, not quite as long a career in banking, but he had been with Goldman Sachs for 16 years before he went out and started his venture. And he said that, you know, on day one of sitting on his own at the, the laptop he started to really appreciate and realize how many resources he had in the big bank before where if he needed a lawyer, there was a team of lawyers. If he needed an accountant, there was a team of accountants. And now he was on his own and he had to go out and find lawyers and hire lawyers and find accountants and hire accountants and do the bits and pieces himself. So I'm quite interested, how was that experience for you having worked in all the banks and always had these teams available to now be working on something on your own?
1: Something very similar, take it for granted that everything is given to you, everything is working, and you just have to pick up the phone and say it and send the message across. That was fine. But for me, there was a slight difference. I moved to Canada at the same time I left HSBC. Then I moved to Canada. And when I moved to Canada, that's when I got developers to work on this idea. They were based in Pune. But they were based for me. That was, and there's a 12 hour difference, if you like, between India and, and Canada. And that is what made it a 24 hour working time for us. In my daytime, I would work on my ideas and things like that. And by the evening, I gave it to the developers. In the evening, they would work on it. And by the time I woke up, it was already there. So it was a very efficient use of time. So I didn't have much time to think as to missing out all this <laughs> yeah, trappings. I know what you mean. When
2: I was in Hong Kong, my boss was in Chicago. Which, a blessing and a curse, the time difference. To, sometimes you knew you had a few hours of peace because everyone was asleep, but other times you're waking up and there's a whole day of tasks sitting waiting for you. So therefore, I
1: did really miss uh, much and because it was a, in India, I had outsourced these people. but developers would help me get the local plus lawyers or anything like that, which was there. So that was fine.
2: Right as I said just before then, what I really like about the BombTech model is that you're looking to serve this part of the population in a way that works for them. It's not about finding a new technology and then making it available and saying, this is how you use it, but rather saying, what does a segment that's often overlooked want and how can I keep it there for them? So how have you joined those sort of old and new worlds together?
1: So what's reached to the bottom of the pyramid is the micro Microfinance micro microfinance really transactions of less than 50,000 rupees, if you like, which is like 80 pounds or so. In a form at this segment, people don't get a receipt for what they've paid back. The millions of such customers which are there, taking money from the banks or institutions which are there, they don't get receipts when you pay back. So when the ten comes after six months or something like it, how much do I owe you? Left to the banks to decide for the institution. Yeah. I thought that was not fair. I think they should have a copy of whatever it is. There are some copies which are, whatever, which are thermal receipts if you like, which disappear after three months or something like that. It will really be used for recording all the transactions of a person taking a live loan from a bank and repaying it. This is the bank passport, if you like. So it's all there. Show you this. It actually records all the transactions which happened as you pay back.
2: Yeah, so it's a standalone device. It's not that people require a um, smartphone and an app and it, all the stuff that can be very difficult to to have and maintain in, in the villages, but it's actually a device purpose built.
1: And hopefully you have kept it price so low, I mean, the cost of manufacturing is quite low, that institutions can give it away for free.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's not unreasonable because if I think about my banking and that, some of that's changed now, but not so long ago, I would get a little um, dongle for the sort of one time password. Um, I forget its proper name, but you know, a little code that's always changing. They would give you those for free with a bank account. Yeah, so it's all in one place. So it's not SMSs that are getting covered by millions of other messages in your phone. It's not a smartphone, which is yeah, even more important.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: But it's something that is there and can be kept. And as you said, it's fairer for the borrower to have that record. But I think also, yeah, it's good for the borrower to be able to see that paid on happening. And this is not scientific, but one of the things we'd seen in, in an older role of mine when we were working at the credit bureaus, when consumers are starting to miss payments, so you know, consumers are in trouble you know we'd always thought you, know, you pay your mortgage first then your car and then it goes down and the personal loan would get paid last because there's really no benefit in paying your personal loan you've already got that money you've already spent that money so now you're just doing you know what's right whereas you know the mortgage you want to live in the house or you want to drive the car or even you want the credit limit on your credit card but what they actually found was the personal loan gets paid quite high in that hierarchy and the assumption. So now, yeah, it's not super scientific. This is just the assumption. But the assumption is that it's a very attainable goal. So if you're sitting in in life and you feel like you're losing track of things, you can actually say, "Okay, it's four more months i pay this loan and it's done versus 20 years now of paying a mortgage or something. So people really value that ability to see how many more payments, see that balance come down and actually, it probably makes the loan less risky because your customers can see the endpoint. So I think the lenders will benefit in in many ways as well. But of course, the borrowers. And if we talk about those borrowers, you know, I've used terms like bottom of the pyramid. I probably said it too much. I've just finished editing an episode in Sri Lanka, and uh, I went and got my old copy of uh, the book out. But essentially, if you're talking about those consumers that you're serving. What does that market look like? What sort of consumers are we talking about?
1: We're talking in India of about over 50 million customers. So yeah, numbers are huge.
2: It's always fun to talk about India with the scale.
1: And This is only India I'm talking of. Even in here, I think in Canada also, you have some microfinance. A lot of people are involved in this. And there's some very large institutions in
2: India which does this. So you're not making the microloans you are facilitating this exchange of information between the lender and the borrower. So that borrower goes and they, they ask for a loan from an institution that you're working with. They would be given the BombTech Passbook and then they'll be able to use that to track their loan. So you're not making the loans, but you are part of that process to provide the information or move the information between the two.
1: That's absolutely correct. Don't take the risk on the customers. We facilitate it and we make this history all along to the people who are lending to how often he's, he's riddled, he's only paid his loans, and therefore he's ready for another loan or not or something. It's all recorded in one place. And so basically, it gives them information to both the lenders as to how and for the borrowers. It's easy for them to present to the prospective lenders as to what and how good at risk they are. So it helps both the customers and the borrowers
2: if we just think around, you know, most of the audience listening is probably quite used to kind of modern mobile banking. But if you even think about the apps that are out there that help people budget, that help people keep track of where their money's going and you know what their credit report's looking like, this is doing the same sort of thing. And as I said, somebody who can see what they owe and where is also just much easier for them to to stay on top of it. And I think it's not just loans, right? Under the BombTech umbrella, I see there's a number of different products as it were so you've got bomb info bomb folio bomb collect and bomb passbook Uh, bomb passbook we've been talking about a lot now for account management and loan management but talk to me about those different types of products and the sort of niches that they are designed for
1: bomb info is exactly what it says information sends out information for people agricultural people so weather forecast prices of seeds prices of fertilizer and all these things can be sent out from one source. This is all looking at the future. bomb Collect is for the collectors. A whole lot of series will come down to them as to who are they going to collect. This is on phones. Carry on with all the information on the phone, all the history of the customers, and then get the payment. As soon as the payment comes, they ping it and it updates the head offers and the local offers so they know that someone is at work over there. Bond phone group that helps you get you Information on your stock portfolio. Once you have a limited credit, you can have the stocks. I buy apple, buy some more. It adds. If you sell something, it subtracts. Information at your fingertips as to what is the value of your portfolio, and next you can link it to prices and all that. So that's all going to work for them as well.
2: What is the state of the microfinance industry in India today? You talked about fifty million consumers just such big markets at play. But how are we seeing innovation in general happening in the space?
1: Much has happened in the last 10 years. And what is the state of uh, microfinance? It's growing about 20, 25 percent, I think, last year. These are all standings, growing by 25 percent, because 8 percent would be the inflation, the rest is 16 percent of real growth. So we're talking about a huge, huge market, a growing market, and uh, therefore it has to be serviced
2: you are innovating in a very different way in a a different segment. So how's this process been bringing it to market? How are you seeing the various players in the ecosystem respond to it? I think the
1: people that I've spoken to so far have all been very positive. The whole thing, there's a big demand. Can I get it as soon as I can? I I should be able to get it, hopefully, in another three to four months' time. The production has to be in China. And that just creates its own challenges right now. Because the price of which I want to be given out is like it is less than ten dollars per piece is what I'm aiming to give them at. That. Uh, so that's sorting out all the storms of positives and all that. But this product should be ready for go-out at about three to four months. Time as to how it is and we mean the bomb passbook first and then the others would come.
2: If somebody has the bomb passbook in their hands and they take out a new loan or they take a loan from a different lender that's also part of the program, do they get multiple passbooks or can it facilitate multiple loans from multiple lenders? It's all information in one place. You have can have multiple passbooks
1: in the same device. Each one would have its own password. That's the only thing. But otherwise, it's all really lying in the same device and you can look at it at later. And can we use, again, okay, we use for people who already have it. Once they repay the loan, they can take another loan until we roll it back onto you device.
2: You obviously, in the launching process, you understand the demand of the market, you've got manufacturers on you that you're, you're looking at. So it's all ready to go. If people listening would like to follow that story, would like to see how this launch happens, or even if anyone listening is involved in microfinance in India, I know we've had a, a few guests in that broad space in the past, and India's a market, we do have quite a few listeners in, or in fact, the, the subcontinent in general where can they go to follow the story or indeed where can they go to talk to you about learning it in more depth or maybe even getting involved? I think first thing
1: people to see is my website called bankingonmobile.com. So as they can go there, they'll get all the information that's required off the device and what stage we are at. We can check it out there. And secondly would be, yes, I'm looking for partners and a direct approach of phone call would be very nice. To also to see how they can partner me and what to value virtually add to each other.
2: I'll put links to the the website on the show notes as well. And yeah, Roy, thank you so much for your time. It's great to hear that there's innovation still happening in these market segments that are not being left behind. Is probably not quite the right word, but are not you know the target for most people that are out there looking for for new solutions. Yeah, I saw these things in Hong Kong. I never knew what they were when I was a child in South Africa. The post office used to have a little bank and you got a little book you wrote in and it, it it reminded me of of that, And but it was still existing and it was out of place, but clearly still in demand. So I love that it hasn't just been left alone and, and the banks have just said, you know, it's no longer profitable to serve, but you've looked at it and said, well, people like this, people know this, let me find a way to make it work. And I think that's really interesting and really impactful, as you said, with 50 million people. So thank you for making the time to talk to me about BombTech, for yeah, sharing those insights. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how this progresses. Happy to be here. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday.